Welcome to the 12th episode of my series exploring licensed prostitution in America. This series has a specific focus on the legal system that exists within Nevada, which allows sex workers and brothels to be licensed at a county level. Nevada stands as the only state in the United States with such a framework. In this episode, I have the privilege of speaking to who I think might just be one of the most famous, licensed, and legal sex workers in the United States, Alice Little. You're listening to The Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Each episode is available in audio, video, and transcript formats. To access your preferred format, simply check the episode description you're listening to. You'll find a link within that description that will direct you to my website where you can view the transcript and discover the platforms offering this episode in audio or video. If you're having trouble locating the episode description on your chosen platform, take note of the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. There, you can easily locate the corresponding episode and access the audio, video, and transcripts. Additionally, you might find any links to any references that we make during the episode, allowing you to further explore the topics that were discussed. If you're not tuning in via Patreon, it's worth noting that you're hearing this episode after our loyal patrons. If you'd like to become a patron and support our show, visit thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, that's T-H-E-C-O-L-E-M-E-M-O dot com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a fantastic way to contribute to my content, and it only costs $3 a month. However, one of the most valuable ways to support the show is entirely free. Simply subscribe to or follow my show. Leave a positive review from wherever you're listening from. Mark this episode as a favorite. Give it a thumbs up, leave a comment, or post a review. Your engagement and support means the world to me. Today is December 25th, 2023, and it looks like that. I originally recorded this conversation with Alice Little sometime in September of 2023. Enjoy the episode. Folks, I'm joined by Alice Little. Alice, please introduce yourself to my audience. Hello, hello. My name is Alice Little. I am a legal sex worker, sex educator, and intimacy expert. Yep, and for all those reasons, she fits right in here. Uh, so um, thank you for your time today. Um, I think, uh, and I hope this comes off as a compliment, I think you're one of the most famous uh you know, sex workers and uh, sex educators uh, that I've ever sat down with. So, well, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for folks that maybe didn't understand that sex work is legal, and well, frankly, there are multiple multiple forms of sex work, as we've talked about on the show. But in case people miss that, can you uh, fill in the dots for our listeners? <laughs> yes. 
So sex work itself is kind of an umbrella term that describes lots of different professions that all fall within different auspices. I happen to be a legal full service sex worker through the Nevada brothel system. Here within the United States, we actually have legal brothels. However, they are limited to specific counties only within the state of Nevada. These brothels have county by county legislation rather than statewide legislation. And so the rules at each individual location oftentimes are different as a reflection of the different county legislations and laws. And uh, before, uh, one of the things I want to cook up uh, for you, because one of our, uh, the point of this series, talking to uh, sex workers and the uh, not only sex workers, but we've spoken to people that are managers at brothels and everything else, um, owners. We recently sp spoke to Bella. Um, so folks, check that out. The whole point is that we're trying to say that sex work should be legal. And so one of the questions I'll ask you at the end is like, if we were to copy and paste into other states, what were some things, what are some things you might, or we might consider, sorry, uh, stumbling on my question there. So that's what we'll work up to. But I guess I wanted to, before we close, close with that, um, cause that's hopefully the future, right? Mm -hmm. Um, before we, before we get to that, I guess I wanted to ask, um, how long have you been in the sex industry, uh, legal sex industry in Nevada? Well, I first started working within the Nevada brothels back in 2015. Prior to that, however, I was actually involved in the intimacy industry as a BDSM and sex educator. I was traveling around to different events on the weekends and educating people on how to have safe threesomes, how to negotiate your first kink experience. Here's what floggers are and how not to hurt yourself with them all sorts of different things gotcha and like when did when did this start for you when did you get into the like again as i say or as you said the sex industry is very broad you know um but yeah generally speaking like when did you start this profession i would say it probably started at the age of 18 i obtained a job working at the front desk of a private BDSM dungeon in New York City. My college roommates had parents that owned the dungeon, so I kind of bullied them and elbowed them into <laughs> hooking me up with a job and eventually managed to gain a world-class education through also being in charge of setting up their educational structure and scheduling all the classes, which meant I then got to attend all the different classes. Eventually, I became an educator myself and started to travel around locally and nationally. And eventually, I started to present internationally as well. Very cool. Very cool. So when did you get into um, Nevada's sex industry? And if I could ask also how? Like how to so catch it actually started because of my sex education background. It was at an event where a fellow educator shared with me her experience at one of Nevada brothels, and it really intrigued me. I'd remember watching this TV show, the HBO Cat House series back when I was younger. And well, I pull it up on my phone, I look it up online, and lo and behold, that's the place. 
So I decided to apply and started my journey and never looked back ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And where, where did you start? If, if I could ask. So I started up North. There are dozens upon dozens of different ranches. The easiest way to explain it is that there is a family of properties known as the Bunny Ranch Properties, which at one time was up to seven different brothels that were owned by Dennis Hoff. And I started at one of his locations and worked at one of his locations all the way through the pandemic before making a switch to a southern location, the historic Chicken Ranch Brothel, which is where I work today. Oh, cool. Cool. The chicken ranch. Yeah, definitely historic. Um, we recently uh, sat down and watched the chicken ranch documentary, which was really oh, crazy to see. God. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. What a treat. And it truly is a taste of history. The industry is almost nothing like that anymore. However, I love reflecting back on where we came from. It's so beautiful to me that we've encapsulated that little slice of life as to what things were like at one point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's when that's when it all started back in what is it, the eighties? You know, the chicken ranch brothel actually started all the way before that back in LaGrange, Texas. I wanna say it was back in like the fifties or sixties, back when there were brothels all across America. And it was one of the final brothels until eventually it was closed. Yeah. So you were you were at uh the Hoff brothels for quite a while. Um then you se uh, segued to the chicken ranch. Was there is any like particular reason that you segued to the chicken ranch or well this little thing happened in March of 2020 that kind of had a little big impact upon the entire world, sure. and in particular, the, those of us that work within the intimacy industry. Of course, I'm talking about the pandemic, which unfortunately shuttered the entirety of the Nevada brothel industry for the first and only time in history. We are open 24-7, 365, and we don't close we are open, period, end of sentence. So this was the first time that the entire industry had ever been shuttered. So this was incredibly shocking. And during that time, many ladies such as myself took, it, took a look at our lives and how we wanted to do things moving forward. And I ended up getting involved in content creation through OnlyFans and managed to pick up a nice little following through that platform, which allowed me to purchase a farm in Colorado. Now it makes more sense for me to travel to work, work a limited tour and then return home rather than living near my place of work and being available 24 seven. That just doesn't make any sense for me at this point in my career. All of my guests make appointments with me anyway, so I don't need to be available on demand anymore. Yeah. And forgive me, you know, most uh, all of the workers I spoke with, I made sure to give them time at the front to say where they could find them online. You're once again, famous enough. I feel like people can just search your name. But did you oh. want to plug your website or anything? Absolutely. My website is thealicelittle.com. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. So again, my apologies for waiting uh, <laughs> later into the show to do that, but I'll put it in the show intro. So well, thank you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said you, and you know, I saw, you know, just did a little bit of research and I'm not completely plugged into the Nevada scene, but I saw that you actually helped to lead the charge to kind of reopen the brothels. Am I correct in remembering that? Cause it was a few weeks ago that I looked this stuff up. I did. I sued the governor of Nevada and I was Whoa. the only one brave enough to do so. <laughs> Whoa. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. So at this point in time, we are well into 2021. Vaccine round number one has already come out. It's already been out. It's old news. In mm. Nevada, the casinos are open. People are drinking, eating, and smoking. Maskless. However, Nevada right. has one industry that was still shuttered my industry, the Nevada brothels. And I thought that was a load of nonsense. So I decided to roll up my sleeves and do something about it. Nice. And did it did it go your way or did he just ultimately like lift it? Or how would you characterize the change? Did you feel like you had an effect? You know, this is where things get very nuanced and interesting sure. when it comes to brothel legislation. Had any brothel owner stepped up to the plate and joined the lawsuit, I likely would have been incredibly successful in my pursuit. However, Nevada brothel workers have a license that is under the Nevada brothel license. So we have a work card to work at a specific location. And so essentially the justification was is that as a worker, I didn't have legal standing, whatever the precedent is, to say that I am being hurt in some way because I don't physically actually own a brothel. Interesting. Why do you think that it, brothel owners wouldn't have joined you? Money and finances, frankly speaking. Um, and, and again, this is where things get very interesting. From my understanding, many of the PPP loans that were granted had since been rescinded. However, many brothels qualified for PPP and small business association, a small business association loans yeah. based off of other LLCs and F corps that they had, such as an accounting office, a restaurant, a whatever company that may be affiliated with the ranch, but not the sex industry directly, they were able to get money. So they weren't necessarily worried about reopening the brothel in any sort of hurry or hustle because they were doing okay. Whereas us, the individual workers, we received no such protections. We were not eligible for SBA loans. We were not eligible for a paycheck protection program. We didn't receive really much of any assistance from the government at all because we are independent contractors, not employees. And so we simply lost our incomes overnight, literally just like that. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And I it just seems crazy, yeah, that that other brothel owners wouldn't wouldn't join you, especially if it would have helped the standing of your case. But honestly my experience so far has been that they just seem to be uh, a nervous bunch, a private yeah. bunch. Like Bella was the only one I could really get to come on the show with me yeah. and just talk, you know? And 
it's understandable. You figure as a brothel owner, they have a tremendous weight and responsibility on their shoulders, which is the weight of the brothel license. Mm. If they mess up and they lose that license, they don't just lose their money. Now they have cost all right. of their employees, all of those ladies, their workplace and the opportunity to be financially successful. So they need to think about things such as, do I really want to cause contention with the governor of Nevada when I'm not sure if he's going to be up for re-election? Do I really want to like take that man on directly? Or is frankly speaking as someone who does not own a brothel, what is Steve Sisolak going to do to me directly? I mean, it's not like he's going to turn around and come against my brothel. I don't own one. Like it's me, just Mm -hmm. little, little me hanging out doing my, spicy David and Goliath thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad I did it though. It frankly speaking called a lot of necessary attention to the plight that sex workers were facing. Thankfully, not long after the lawsuit was concluded, we did receive a date for the reopening of the brothels. So it sure would have been great to receive that a little bit sooner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. Were were there kind of ridiculous like uh, guidelines to coming back? Like I did see something about like you did require temperature. So I'm not saying that's ridiculous, but were there's like silly things because there was there were some silly things. You remember like when you went to the restaurant and they were like, "We have to have your mask on when you walk to the table, but when you sit down, you can take it off because the virus it'll be like all sorts of ridiculous (laughs) nonsense and silly things like. You know, if you do the Macarena and the Hokey Pokey and turn yourself around, you're going to be A-OK. I mean, I am here for vaccinations. I am here for safety. Yeah. The reality is at a certain point, we had vaccinations. We had a pretty good understanding of what was going on. We understood right. who was at risk, what mitigations needed to be assumed. For example, everybody within the brothel industry returning to work after the pandemic ended up being vaccinated. That was something that everybody agreed upon because we all shared common risk. Like, hey, we're all in this ship together. We all share space. We all literally are in this house together. We need to be collaborative and cooperative here. Let's work together to make this work. And everybody was much so on board. Though, of course, as all things are with the government, they're like, give us a little thing about how you're going to reopen and what that looks like. And it's like, Goodness, I don't even think you guys know how you're going to reopen. But one thing I know for sure is that if there are people drinking and smoking in the casinos, there are certainly people having sex in yes. the hotel rooms of those casinos. Right. Why in the world are you keeping the legal brothel industry closed? Why? Yeah. And, and you know, on a slightly different topic, you know, what kind of got me interested in uh, legal sex work is the parallels I see between the legalization of cannabis and the legalization of, of sex work. And I think they both come from a good place, right, where it's like you can't you shouldn't regulate behavior that doesn't that that doesn't hurt anybody. Right. It's my choice as an American. Uh, uh, that That's what I thought this country was all about, this freedom espousing country. Right. And so um, that's what got me fascinated in this. And one of the similarities I feel that you have to face. So I've had P 
people on my show that are prohibitionists. They do this group. They're called Smart uh, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, and they're like a really, really well known group if you look them up. And they're at, they're in Washington D.C. every day, um, and they think marijuana should be illegal. I recently, uh, and obviously I disagree, right? But I I yeah, speak same. with these people and. Um, I, I like to debate these people. And I bring this up because a lot of times I don't feel like those people are coming from a place where they're arguing in good faith. Like, I feel like they're just kind of yes making shit up to try to like make what make their point instead of like acknowledging the the actual reality of where we I- are. You know, I feel that in my heart and soul back in 2018, there was a small religious minority that wanted to criminalize Nevada brothels in Lyon County. And I spearheaded the Lyon County Freedom Campaign to defend the Nevada brothels and came up against a few individuals who wanted to literally in a town hall debate me as to the pros and cons of brothels. And their defense was this here Bible, which religion is great and all, and I'm here for it. But like, you know, you do you, you do me, you practice your faith. I'm going to do. Also, my- the Bible's a bad book to hold up to justify the illegality of prostitution because the Bible encourages like, you know, in some texts, it encourages like the stories of a man giving up his daughter to a village, you know, like. Uh, it's a lot. So it's a, there's a lot of stuff. A lot but of yeah. But um, that's actually why I brought it up is that's where I was working to. You read my mind. I was going to ask you about your experience (laughs) and I just wanted to commend you because I feel like you're you're like a a warrior in that realm where like I've got a lot of I'm a fan of a lot of people in the cannabis realm. But if I were to name like an advocate in the sex work realm, I'd be like Alice Little is on the list, you know, so thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about that experience. What was that like? And I'm sure that it hasn't gone away. Was that the latest one you said? And what was it, 2018 or 2019? Yeah, so it it never stops. There are always groups working against intimate pleasure between consensual adults, whether that is the censorship of pornography, the criminalization of sex work, the erasure of boobs from the internet and women's bodies being censored, whatever it so may be, we see contention against intimacy and intimate relationships at every single twist and turn, which is ironic and hypocritical when you then turn around and see the things that are permissible when it comes to celebrity culture. But any which way, (laughs) I... I strongly, strongly, strongly feel that there needs to be more conversation where we are willing to confront anti-sex work, anti-intimacy individuals, and really be willing to question their intentions of their debates. That is something that I personally have tried to do whenever I come across someone who is against this, I I literally try to question, call into question, like, well, why is that your opinion? Fantastic. Well, why does your moral opinion have a weight upon what I do with my body and what I do professionally? How would you feel if, say, 
somebody who is a vegan declared that because of their ethical concerns around meat in this country, therefore nobody can have a, a McDonald's hamburger or any hamburger ever again. I mean, this country would be in a, like in an uproar. They would lose their minds if somebody tried to take away their, their, their like hamburgers and hot dogs. Like we can't, we can't have that. But we do have states that are taking away people's pornography. Multiple states now have Pornhub.com blocked as a consequence of various legislation that is designed under the guise of protecting citizens and minors that unfortunately truly exist to further minimize access to adult content and minimizes the presence and visibility of sex workers online. Yeah, and it's all based on this assumption that like women aren't able to make their own decision i feel like like none of the like the, you know what i mean it see, it seems like yeah. it's based on this assumption that all of these women were like swindled into this almost <laughs> like absolutely an empowered woman choosing to do something with her body that they feel too inhibited to do how dare how dare she we can't have that happen women being financially successful in an industry where women are uniquely more successful than men Oh, I don't know how we feel about that as a society. It's very interesting when we talk about sex work and about brothels and the financials of it. The reality is the highest paid individuals within the industry aren't the brothel owners. It's probably like some of the women. Because sure, brothel owners get 50% of everyone's everything. And then they have to pay taxes on all that. And then they have to pay for the brothel license and all their employees and their lights. And I mean, gosh, some women individually are able to earn as much as a small rural brothel, an entire location, individually on their own. To give you an idea of the sheer range of income possibilities that exist within just the Nevada brothel system and truly within sex work as well. There is absolutely survival sex work, but let's not for like one second pretend that there are not people that are truly thriving within sex work and making themselves very successful careers. Yeah. There's survival sex work. There's also just like survival work. Like, does it like, I guess we're choosing like, it's interesting. We're ascribing moral values to the choice and how we're going to be exploited. And I'm not saying sex work is exploitive. I'm just saying all work no, is exploitive. All, <laughs> yeah. all labor, all labor under capitalism is really exploitative. At the end of the day, we don't really have an ideal system of labor and equitable exchange of how we barter, trade, and sell goods and services. That is an unfortunate reality of capitalism and America. And not a single one of us individually is going to magically change that system. And criminalizing sex work certainly is not going to change that system in any sort of way other than causing direct harm to sex workers. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And, you know, just uh, to underscore a point that you made a moment ago, I was joined by um, uh, an individual that said, you know, that, that taught me that, you know, historically, actually sex 
sex workers have always been to trans have have always been able to transcend their class. Now, hear me out. What I mean by that is that women back in the day didn't have all of the same rights as we had, like the right to vote, for example, you know, the right to maybe even learn how to do certain things. I don't know. But um, like sex workers were able to transcend that. Like they were ahead of their time. They knew how to read, they, you know, like <laughs> things like that, um, yeah. which I, I, yeah, learned. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the madams in some of the wild west towns were some of the most influential individuals within those towns, not to mention some of the most affluent as well. Yeah. And I guess to round out my point, it, it harkens back to a point you were making where it's like that's maybe why some people are trying to like pull you down. Like that's what was happening back happening back then. They're like, whoa, 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 we can't have somebody doing like a woman doing that. Like pull like bring her down to her level type of thing, right? Morality and the idea of in someone's place plays a huge right. part of sex work. The idea of judgment and being able to look down upon. And unfortunately, even within sex work, sometimes there's this kind of like built-in horror where people have this misconception that some types of sex work are better than other types of sex work and try to create this kind of internalized pyramid of what's the best sex work versus what's the worst sex work. And it's an umbrella. It doesn't work like that. It's like more of a Venn diagram with lots of overlap because most of us do a lot of things like I do only fans and then I'm also at the ranches and then I also do custom content and then I also do video experiences for people I mean it, it just it, it is endless yeah I'm curious can you speak on some of the workers that we spoke to that have left uh you know let's just say some of the places that you've mentioned they they've mentioned they've left because of like uh culture issues. Did you experience anything like that? You know? Yes. The culture of a location is incredibly important when it comes to where someone is able to work long term. A harmonious, peaceful work environment that's collaborative, not cooperative. Certainly, I feel is the correct solution. I I feel that communication is best done through words rather than screaming at people. And there are better ways to communicate that don't involve swearing at people, perhaps. Yeah. Well, and I was even told and Alice, forgive me. I was even told like, you know, something that happened to you. Somebody told me off the record that somebody likes poured coffee on your laptop or something like that yeah yeah i was on a booking and then somebody sabotaged my laptop oh yeah i mean just the wildest things the most wild things and you're you're kind of like i'm not trying to to like gas you up or anything but you are an exception in many ways and i'm just curious one of the things we that we heard about is sabotage of people that do a really well like you um have you have you experienced that in like multiple levels or, or multiple ways? Like one of the craziest ways I heard about was somebody getting nair put in their shampoo. And I was like, Jesus oh, yeah. Christ, that sounds like a college dorm trick, except horrible. You know? Yep. Um, for myself, it's all about focus. Like, am I gonna focus on negativity or positivity? And frankly speaking, I just 
too busy to worry about what other people are saying or doing or thinking. I'm not focused on what anybody else is doing. I'm doing my own thing. Like if anything, the more negativity that comes my way, the more haters that come my way. Thank you for being a dedicated and loyal fan. I appreciate your attention. I mean, yeah, clearly you've liked and subscribed. <laughs> right and pay preferably right um throw, throw yeah, watch, i mean if you hate me enjoy watching <laughs> me i mean like it almost feels me i guess i don't know like i guess i'm motivated by the idea that there's all these people that hate the idea that somebody is a successful legal sex worker and has built a career out of this and is so enthusiastic and open to talking about it that they would like gather up christian cyber terrorists and try to take down my website. No, this happened. This Whoa. really happened. Like somebody tried to DDoS my website through a Christian cyber terrorist organization. It was really special. Like you're that told me. I'm like, ooh, they're paying. Hey, you're somebody. Let me be louder. Let me be even more ostentatious in that case. Like that's crazy, Alice. <laughs> That's oh, no, it's absolutely wild. Let me tell you, back in 2018, there was a period of time in which I would have to have a friend pick me up from work or meet me in a random parking lot so I could get into her vehicle and then she could drive me home because there were people from the local church that were trying to follow me home. Oh, they were wow. so ridiculous. They literally had the church bumper sticker on their vehicle and they would use the same like three or four vehicles in rotation. They were not very clever. That's insane. I wonder why they wanted to find out where you live. That seems uh, that's scary. Yeah. Stalking and harassment is a tremendous issue for sex workers, particularly at the time I lived very close to where I was working. For that to be exposed would have put me in a significant amount of danger. There are certainly crazy people out there that would do harm to yeah. me or harm to my pets. And I have no interest in that. At one point, I actually moved during all of this. There was concerns around my uh, safety and somebody stalking and harassing and trying to like use social engineering to figure out where I lived and it was really traumatic, to be frank. It was not a fun time. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's pretty crazy. It was a interesting experience. At the same time, I certainly don't regret it. Yeah. So you, um, and I am not trying to get you to like talk shit about anybody. I'm just honestly asking you. You did not leave because of uh. You didn't leave like the. What did you say? The I've always heard it referred to as like the Hoff uh, brothels or the Hoff yeah. estate. You didn't leave that because of like culture issues. Like I got to get the fuck out of here. Um, I mean, they were already closed at the time. So technically I was already gone and I. Oh, true, true. Yeah. I mean, so technically I was already gone at the same time. Let's just say that I, it was written in the stars and I very much so recall pausing and looking around and gathering up all of my belongings, despite the fact that we were only supposed to be there for like, you know, we're closing for a week to stop the curve. Remember that? Yeah. LOL, how funny. So like, I remember packing up all my stuff and being like, I'm just going to get this all just in case. I got a feeling. Yeah. I got it. I, and I'm asking these questions because I feel like this is the only bad thing I've heard about the sex industry. Like this isn't anything that I think should make it illegal. Culture is totally addressable. 
I'm, a, I'm oh, asking, you know what I mean? Absolutely is. And frankly speaking, that's where the conversation really comes into what happens next. Where do we go from here? What is the ideal system? What should legislation and structure look like for sex work? Should there be legislation around sex work? Is it beneficial to have legislation? There's a lot of nuance that goes into this that is really, really hotly debated. And it's really interesting. Yeah. What what is your what do you, what do you think on that subject? Like so here in America, due to the way that our system of legislation is written and the way that banking functions under capitalism, sex workers, in my personal opinion, benefit most from a combination of decriminalization and legalization. We need decriminalization to protect the people that are most marginalized, period, end of sentence. Decriminalization has to come first. We know that decriminalization works. It allows us to find sex trafficking victims and get them helped. It allows us to keep minors out of the industry by removing that criminal penalty. It also allows sex workers to be able to reach out to police for assistance if they're being violated rather than being arrested with a crime simply for selling intimacy. That makes no sense Mm -hmm. at all, whatsoever. So we need to decriminalize this industry. And then we need to talk about legalization structures and what that ideally looks like. Legalization needs to serve the industry. And what is the industry of sex workers? Primarily, not exclusively, but primarily cisgender females. That is the overwhelming majority of people that work within the brothel, or not within the brothel industry, within the sex work industry as a whole, like nationally. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's some men. Yes, there's absolutely trans people. The majority are cis women that we are talking about here. So we need legislation that is going to specifically serve the population of sex workers in America and is designed around their specific needs, wants, and desires. So by this, I mean need. We need safety. We need to be able to bank. We need to have that protection. Right now, sex workers, even legal sex workers like myself, are at risk of having our banks closed. Because banking is a federal system and legislation is at a state level, My bank account can be closed at any point in time and has been closed. I pay my taxes well, plenty. I mean, six figures in taxes some years. And let me tell you, it made no difference at all whatsoever. They still closed my account. That tells me that we need some sort of legislative protection. We need something written to guarantee us access to financial systems because that is the only way that we are able to build generational wealth to be able to get ourselves ahead. You need access to banking. That's essential under capitalism. We need need that. And without some form of legalization, it's very, very, very tricky to get that. You just taught me another parallel between the cannabis industry and oh, yeah, the, the sex banking. Industry. Yeah, yes. banking. Like there's a huge push for safe banking at the federal level for cannabis. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, it is unbelievable. It is so incredibly challenging. Let me tell you, I mean, it is such, such a challenge. Such I didn't a even challenge. know that. Do you have to like be careful about who you bank with? about what I do everything strictly carefully and intentionally designed it is unbelievable the amount of stress and stigma that goes into the financial concerns of sex workers it's ridiculous it's probably one of our biggest liabilities right now as an industry is our financial liability in the sense that we do not have security in terms of legislative banking protections yeah Sorry, my internet cut out. I think in a, uh, there for a second, um, but I, I, yeah, that's that's insane. Like I said, I did not realize there was another parallel to the cannabis industry. Well, um, I'm curious, what what else? Uh, so, what what else is there to that legalization topic? Because I've heard, and if you even go to the Wikipedia page, which I don't have it pulled up right now, but it, off the top of my head, I, I can pull it up. Um, like one of the criticisms of the Nevada sex market is that it's like this idea that and this is actually why i fell in love with the idea of not only legal cannabis but legal sex it's this idea that it's like this liberal who cool hippie movement that's like acknowledging that humans can make this choice and i guess one of the criticisms of the nevada sex market is that it kind of puts this power differential between the owner and the sex worker and yes. oh god yeah yeah, can you can you speak on that? Because I feel like that's the only thing that I've heard that is, and again, that's not. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I still don't think that's an argument against it, but it's kind of accurate. I guess. No, it's it's very nuanced and complicated. So let's start by dialing it back and talking a little bit more about how brothels exist within Nevada. Like I mentioned earlier, they only exist within very specific counties, and those counties dole out a specific number of licenses. Those licenses are all grandfathered. There's no new licenses issued. So if I want to open up a brothel, I can't. There is no new license available to me. I have to obtain an existing brothel license from somebody else by buying their business an existing brothel location because the license is also tied to the location. They're married together. So you need the license and the location in order to open up a business. This results in there being no clear pathway for legal sex workers to ever become brothel owners, unless I managed to save quite literally millions of dollars of liquid assets, there's really no clear financial pathway for me to be able to then turn around and own a brothel. It is so prohibitively expensive that there is this severe income differential between the brothel owners and of course the sex workers. Now, like I said, some sex workers absolutely are able to individually make as much as some small rural brothels entirely on their own. That is an exception, not the rule. We're talking about the top 0.001% of the industry, maybe three to five out of the several hundred individuals are making that kind of elite level of income. And that's not always consistent income over every week, month, year. It varies. It is a very highly varied industry, whereas brothel ownership, of course, offers more stability in the sense that you have multiple workers all individually working and making money. And so you have a little bit more of like a differential. 
Whereas it's me, myself, and I. I am how I make money. It isn't like me and several clones of me all working appointments at the same time. Whereas the brothel owner doesn't even have to necessarily be present at the brothel to be making money. It's passive income. Whereas for sex workers, of course, it's active income. So there's, of course, lots of nuanced differences. And that's not to say that all brothel owners are bad or that brothel owners in general are bad. It's just important to acknowledge the fact that there is that financial and power differential within play, within the system, which isn't surprising considering the fact that the industry itself was legislated in the 1970s. And boy, howdy, was legislation ever so slightly skewed to support and favor men at that point in time. Right. As somebody described it, it seems like the licenses are only meant to protect the the owner, you know, and not so much even the maybe even the employee or the like the, the sex worker themselves, you know. Correct. We are very much so left on our own. Both the employee and the sex worker are just kind of like we're just there, but the brothel owner, of course, kind of is like protected, I guess, in that way. Yeah, and we received uh, two voicemails. I wanted, I felt like this was the perfect time to reference one of them. I was gonna play it, but I can't. I can't play. I'm having trouble getting it to toggle and play. But um, one of the questions they had was like tips or tricks uh, or tips or tricks. I read the transcript and they were saying that they were considering getting into Nevada's sex industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I felt that was important to bring up at this point, since we're talking about power differential and things that that I think women should be uh, or people getting into this industry should just be aware of um, one of the things that i learned through this is first of all like all the clothes you can get people that are listening and considering getting into the industry you can write them off on your taxes correct right it, or is that a dicey yes. question sorry yes and i am not an accountant it is very important to have a differential between your work wardrobe and your personal wardrobe. As my accountant put it, if it is something that you are wearing non-professionally, like a pair of sneakers, you can't write that off. It really has to be like, this is my work wardrobe. This is my personal wardrobe. To give you an idea, my clothing is literally in separate closets. Like it is, Mm very much so like differential and divided and it is that way for a lot of things for example makeup you're supposed to have your personal makeup and your professional makeup nails you can write off press on nails but it can be challenging to write off like acrylic nails because they're attached and you're supposedly then receiving the benefit of having those nails all the time even though you're really doing it for work like it's challenging to write off on your taxes you have to prove like no i got these and then i did a photo shoot see it matches my outfit these are specifically a work-related expense sort of thing how about this tip get an accountant oh my god get an accountant jesus christ (laughs) you have no idea how challenging nuance and problematic it is because you are an independent contractor that means you are doing all of it on your own 
No one is holding anything for you and don't screw it up or you're going to be in a whole world of hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, on, on that, on that end, um, one of the things you mentioned earlier was like the 50% of that's of every earning, but some, some people that we spoke to, like even kind of said, you know, you could almost consider it 75% because you got to pay room board, obviously food too, you know, stuff like yep. that. Room, board, food, transportation, cost of toys, lingerie, the cost of doctoring. We have a quarterly license that is $150, four times a year that we have to pay. We have a business license. We have taxes, insurance. Yeah, we don't have health insurance unless we pay for that ourselves, which is, of course, extremely pricey on the private market. I mean, it is unbelievable the amount of expenses that we spend. It is a very, very expensive industry to get into. If you are financially struggling, I don't recommend blowing your last few dollars to get involved in this industry. You need to come into this with a little bit of padding and savings because if this isn't for you, you want to be able to turn around and walk away and not have to like earn your plane ticket home. Don't put yourself in that situation. Don't, don't do that. Right. And thank you for addressing that. That was going to be my next question. Uh, you know, some people, some women have found that this is, a, this is something where, you know, like you, I feel like the experience you had <laughs> is ideal, right? You go, you have a really good experience, you make a good amount of money and you're able to, you know, live off of that. But some women we've heard, and again, this isn't a knock. It's like some people just don't do well. Like I've had jobs that I don't do well at. Right. So it's, again, I don't think this is an argument against legalization, but they've talked about how I came here, I was planning for my future. And then all of a sudden I got stuck in what they describe as like this vortex of debt because of bore like it, they end up having to try to pay themselves out and like you mm -hmm. say buy their plane ticket home because these and maybe this is another tip that you can give these brothels are out in the middle of, the, of nowhere so it's not like you have like a huge traffic influx uh, i mean middle of nowhere is really perspective it depends on the location i sure. mean you could be an hour and a half from vegas but i mean it's a desert yeah. i mean it is a challenge you need to be financially responsible getting into this industry you are responsible for flying yourself there for dressing yourself for having your work supplies you're responsible for answering your emails for marketing yourself you need to have a laptop you need to be able to answer your emails it really helps to have social media presence pictures are everything in this industry you need to be able to afford nice pictures or already have gone out of your way to have nice photos taken of yourself I, I mean, it's a tremendous, tremendous investment. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. Thank you, thank you. you what I was getting at, I, you know, and at, you're true, you're right, because I did visit the Bunny Ranch, and it is near. I thought this was funny. I got a picture, a, a really cool picture. It's near a dispensary, a gun shop, and then there's three other brothels, and then you can see the Bunny Ranch in the background. So yeah. it's it's not in the middle of nowhere. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that it's not like it's in Vegas. It's definitely not in Vegas, right? That's kind of no. part of the law. It is not legal in Vegas. There are no problems. Or Reno, right? Or Reno, correct? Or Reno, no. Yeah. 
So, so they are in rural areas, like you say. So, so I guess what the, like I say, where I was coming from is, yeah, you really got to market yourself. You got to pe- get people to come into the door because it's, it's just maybe not always high volume, you know? It's true. People think they're going to just suddenly start working and all of a sudden they show up and money just gets handed to them. And it just, it's not like that at all. Maybe the lucky girl every once in a while literally walks in and makes a ton of money just magically luckily but like most of the time it's hard work dedication you're building a clientele over a period of time you have to think about the implications of being a legal sex worker are you putting your name or i should say are you putting your face on the internet with a fake name and are people are then going to be like wait hold on i know her real name i'm gonna go online and expose her to her family or something are you at risk of something like that can you really have your face out in this industry is that a risk you're able and willing to take because something like that i mean it's a it's a risk it's really important and that's not just nevada brothels that's any form of sex work you really 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 need to consider before you get involved with it in any way shape form or fashion do you worry about that at all like your family well i mean i feel like your family's gotta know at this point oh god everybody knows Everybody knows. Random strangers are like, oh my God, are you this little? I'm like, shh, maybe I'm Batman. I got yeah. my, my sunglasses should, on. I'm just like, you should just be like, who's Alice Little? But, um, oh my God. <laughs> right? You should just like do that. that. Like, oh my what? God, tell me about her. Um, but, uh, do, do you worry about people like, I'm just assuming Alice Little is not your real name. Do you still no, worry about God, it? No. It is a stage name, frankly speaking. I am not worried about it in the slightest bit um, at all whatsoever. Where I am, I have an extraordinary amount of security and really hope nobody is ever foolish enough to test my home. That would be really bad for them. What do you think that the future of, and I want to be mindful of your time. Are you good on time as we wrap up? We are good Um, to go. Cool. All right. Um, I've just got like a few more questions for you off the top of my head. Um, what do you what do you think the future of and I know that this can change day by day and it's such a big question, but um we were talking about legalization and I agree, decriminalization is first and foremost. That's another parallel to cannabis. I think that comes before legalization in many instances. Like you say, first and foremost, it needs to not people need to not go to jail for making the choice to engage in these activities, right? And then let's talk about legalization, okay? Where where you can yeah. legally procure. What do you think what yeah, I feel like I kind of spun us off into some specific questions and tips and stuff, but what do you think ideally is uh the way to go? I mean, I want to start it off maybe agree or disagree. Do you think like kind of open market on licensing there shouldn't be the why the fuck are there limitations on licensing in uh, Nevada, right? That seems silly. It's like you I need mean, to buy it at the it same seems, property. Like it just... seems silly. And at the same time, we don't want a brothel everywhere in the same way that we don't necessarily want a cannabis dispensary everywhere. It makes sense that there are certain limitations on where we want these things located that makes perfect sense to me. Not that they should be shuttered away to the outskirts of town in a hidden secret red light district that's all the way beyond the edge of town. Like, that's silly. Okay. Instead of 
for uh sorry to cut you off instead of uh, so alcohol and cannabis it's usually 1500 feet what about for brothels it's like 6900 feet from a school like that right I like, that. <laughs> I like it yeah um, absolutely but yeah i i feel like we can have some reasonable limitations also I feel like the ideal model is akin to that of New Zealand, where we have decriminalization and legalization with both brothels, small brothels in the form of co-op groups, and true independent work where an individual has their own license and truly just works by themselves. It gives workers the full gambit of options for them to choose how they want to work, where they want to work, and who they want to work with or for, which is the most ethical way of doing things is having a market that has lots of options. Freedom of choice, of course, benefits the worker, not so much brothel owners. At the same time, I certainly believe that there is a place and a real value and need for places like brothels even in New Zealand, where people can just work through co-ops or just work independently, brothels still exist. Clearly, there is a desire to have these safe havens where you can come luxuriate, luxuriate, have this escape, get away, be fully immersed in this beautiful, safe environment where you can have one or more beautiful ladies tending to your needs. I mean, what's not to enjoy about that space? There's nothing wrong with brothels. There's nothing bad about brothels. It's just give us more options too. We want our cake and we want to eat it too. Yeah. And to get just a little granular, would a good example be like, and this is just another similarity I thought of between the Illinois cannabis industry and Nevada sex market you're licensed to work at one specific location. So if you decide, fuck it, fuck this place, I'm going to go uh, to the place across town or something, hypothetically, you couldn't just do that that day. Like with, with a hair license, for example, you could you could be cutting your hair in your own booth and then you could say, fuck it, I'm going to work for Supercuts or something yep, like that. Big deal. But with sex nope. work, it's not like that. Is that correct? Nope. I would have to pay another license fee even within the same quarter to work at another brothel so maybe like a universal licensing do you think that's a good proposal going forward as we yeah. consider yeah that's certainly a good start um i also feel like quarterly licensing some counties are yearly my county is quarterly it's excessive it's ridiculous mm. I mean, let's just be real. It's another way to extort additional fees from sex workers by charging us 154 times a year. Like, just raise the cost of the license and just let us go in there once. We don't need to be fingerprinted four times a year. It's excessive. No, nothing. No other industry, not even gambling, alcohol require that level of diligence and background certification and checks. It's entirely unnecessary. Does your government card say licensed prostitute? Thankfully, it no longer does. Ours, I want to say now, says a courtesan on it. Oh, cool. Cool. If it if it's possible, Alice, do you think you could Photoshop your PII out of uh, your personally identifiable information um, and provide? If not, it's okay. I'd rather I, not. Or could you, or could you just somehow crop the legal cortisone? What I can do is I can put a piece of paper over sure. it just so you can get the title. See the um, legal cortisone. Yeah. Yeah. Reason being, and this is important for anybody listening, any sex workers, blurring pictures does not 
permanently blurred pictures, people can unblur images. So that is not a safe way to protect your identity online. So if you are wanting to not have your face on the internet, blurring your face will not keep your face off the internet. Literally, you need to go through the effort of hiding your face through your pose, through a hat, through something. A, a blur is not good enough. Safety now. Safety now. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. This is what this yeah, is about. This is what this is all one about. Of those obscure little interesting things to be aware of because you never know who's a crazy person on the internet. Yeah. You're a wealth of knowledge on these uh topics. Um what are what are some other things that I guess maybe that we haven't brought up with regard to legalization that that we might consider? I feel like we've touched on a lot of points, but uh we just got kind of granular on licensing. Any other thoughts on this? I think the benefit to local counties and communities when it comes to having brothels is really important to touch on. In some communities, particularly within rural Nevada, up to 30% of their overall discretionary budget sometimes comes from the resulting fees from these Nevada brothels. They literally are supporting and carrying some of these small towns that otherwise would not be able to afford amenities such as new police cars, ambulances, to be able to invest in their schools, whatever they're using that discretionary budget for. So I think that there's a real benefit to having more brothels in America in the sense that it will generate tax dollars, which are only going to turn around and benefit the local communities. In fact, I'd go so far as to suggest and propose something like an excise tax, not an excessive amount, just like a small percent amount that is charged to the person who is purchasing like one or two percent that then automatically goes back to like that local community as like a community improvement investment, whatever. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's another parallel that reminds me of cannabis where they devote some towards like education or whatever the tax money, you know? Yeah. I mean, it exists within society. It has existed within society. Sex work is not new. Nevada brothels were only legislated in the 1970s in reaction to brothels throughout America being shuttered elsewhere. Brothels have been with us since the earliest days of America, oftentimes literally at the forefront as we were expanding what brothels and madams were such an inherent part of how the West was won and developed and the culture and how the miners were enticed out to these locations to obtain the minerals that paid for our roads and railways that allowed us to become the nation that we are. I mean, it all goes back in history. Like, it's it's nothing new. And it's so important that we really recognize and honor that history rather than stigmatize and shame something that clearly has been with us forever. Like, it's not called the world's oldest profession for no reason. Yeah. And, you know, what do you think about the idea of uh, just in terms of talking about what an ideal model would model would be some people have felt and described that maybe they didn't have um i don't i guess what the proposal they suggested is like some sort of sex worker bill of rights and it's this idea that i don't know if they exist anymore but there were like lockdown brothels back in the day i've heard that they're like not so much of a thing anymore but that they no. still maybe are oh okay not really so but can you describe what i just for po folks have no idea what i'm just talking about can you describe that please yes 
in certain counties, the legislation was written in a way that essentially caused a sex worker's medical clearance to expire if she left the brothel premises for more than 24 hours, essentially requiring the sex worker to remain on the brothel premises for the entire duration of her tour, whether that be seven days, two weeks, because if she were to leave, go home, her clearance would then expire and she would have to pay the expense and then also have all of that time that she would be unable to work. So situationally, legislation caused brothels to have policies that required the workers to remain on location. Ironically, just before the entire nation went into lockdown, the lockdown policies as they existed within legislation were actually overturned in Nye County. And now the clearance remains for the full seven or up to 10 days if that worker is only working up to a 10 day period. If she is continuing to work the next what, the next week, she has to clear every seven days. But like technicalities aside. Anyway, it's, it's every seven days, essentially, that we are required to be tested and not required to stay on the premise, thank God, because that was ridiculous and unnecessary. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that maybe goes with that, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't. One of the things I've heard is just in the spirit of sex worker bill of rights, like the idea of they felt they had to sleep pretty um, have you heard of that? Um, it depends on where you work. Again, some locations have shifts. Sure. Some locations you could work an AM shift or a PM shift. So if you're working an overnight shift, and I suppose if you want to go to sleep, I guess then, yeah, you're going to have to be some form of ready to work your shift. It's kind of like being a firefighter, you know, you, you sleep on site and when the bell rings, you get up, right? It, Essentially, yeah, yes. I mean, it's a good analogy. Now, where I work, essentially, you are available 24-7 during the time that you are there on location if you choose to be. Mm. All you need to do is say the magic words, hi, I'm going to sleep and taking myself off the floor. I'll see you when I wake up. Good night. And that's it. Congratulations. You're off the floor. Go to bed. Go get a full night's sleep. Go take your makeup off. Take your heels off. Like, chill sleep good night like you can certainly work and have the opportunity to make money all night long if you so choose but i mean you don't have to sleep in your makeup plenty of girls show up to line up quite literally in some like cute little pj thing and like some shoes that they just slipped into that they have sitting in the hallway yeah like it, it, it's very much so subjective in my opinion to what your attitudes are regarding the experience in the sense that it is a work location you are there to make money right. you make money when people come in through the door most ladies are available for something called a lineup which means that a guest has walked into the ranch that does not have an appointment is not sure who they want to see and would like to see all the various ladies that are available to potentially choose a lady to then go on tour with and then book with. So if a lady is not at lineup, it significantly minimizes her ability to make money. So it certainly behooves the lady to be within that space and attend the lineup. Right. Now, again, every location is different. Where I am, I work by appointment only. I don't like to do lineups, so I don't do lineups. 
I don't like to see random people. I prefer people to email me first. I much prefer to get a sense of who someone is and what kind of a connection they're looking for because I don't offer every single service contrary to popular belief. Sex workers say no and oftentimes will say no. For me, who someone is is extremely important. So I care about who I see. I want to be treated with respect and kindness. I want someone that is going to value and appreciate my time, not treat me like an object. And so when I'm communicating with somebody over email, I'm able to get a sense if someone's going to be a good fit for me. So I don't do lineups really anymore. I could if I want to, but I'm certainly not required to. And the ranch has never pressured me into doing a lineup. They're just kind of let me be an independent contractor, which is a good thing. And that's how it should be. Right. And that's kind of where I was asking my question from is that I feel that, and I think it's, it's the, the idea that, I mean, you are, you know, you're kind of an exception in that, like, you know, yeah, you don't, I don't feel like you have to do bookings and I think everybody can get to your status. I don't, I'm not saying that that's not possible. Mm, I Um, don't know. It's one of those things where it's nice to think that it's possible for everyone. But I also think it's really important here that we acknowledge a few like, societal stigmas and unfair biases and advantages like if you look at the brothels overall that all the brothel lineups every single lady from all of the ranches into one giant lineup and then if you were to order that lady all the ladies in order of their skin tone it would be a mighty mighty white lineup oh. a very very blonde haired blue eyed white lineup it is important to note that because there absolutely is some hiring disparity that happens within the industry as a whole where the workers within the industry do not truly represent the cross-section of sex workers in america that is a result of biased hiring practices a result of a biased market i mean you certainly cannot control racism within the purchasers themselves But we certainly should have more fair hiring practices within the brothels. So I I don't necessarily think it's safe to say that everybody can achieve that status because not everyone is truly given a fair opportunity. Some ladies aren't even given the opportunity to walk through the door in the first place. So there's lots of barriers that need to be overcome for there to be the true potentiality for anyone to see this level of success. Yeah. Thank you for addressing that. And I guess just to wrap up the topic of Bill of Rights, any any other thoughts on that? I mean, I guess the last thing I'll add is somebody said, like, there's no place you can call really, like to file a complaint, for example. Like there's not like I don't imagine there's an HR department at the brothel. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like what what do you think I mean, about it on the it would depend on the size of the brothel as far as sure. HR goes. I don't mean to assume that was a pretty Generally broad assumption. Speaking, Generally speaking, each location has a different manager. And also, I think it's important to note here that it is a very large and diverse industry. If one location is truly not working for you, go work at a different house. Go go apply and work at a different house seriously. I think it is so important that ladies in this industry do not have fear around changing brothels until they find a location that is the best fit and the correct fit for them because every location is different 
everyone has different rules and management styles and preferences and clientele and price points and features. I mean, there's such diversity within this industry that you really have to be willing to go and explore the industry and find what's going to work best for your business model and which location is going to be the best fit for you. Like, it would sure be nice that if every time we had a conflict with work that there was some, like, magic reporting agency that would make all of our work problems go away. But, I mean, I don't even think within, like, a traditional corporate hierarchy structure can you just, like, not like your manager and just magic away that conflict through HR. Like, that's that's not how that works, unfortunately. (laughs) Like... If there are true dangerous violations, you would report those to the sheriff. That is who would you you would reach out to if there is a true dangerous violation. Now, if there's an interpersonal conflict, I mean, like, you got to be an adult at a certain point here. This is not the 13th grade. We are all adults here, and this is the problem. We are here to make money, not bicker with each other. This isn't competitive. It's complementary, and everybody is here with the same goal in mind, which is that everybody wants to be as successful as they possibly can and not push others down to be successful. We want to raise others up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I guess that's the one that I think I'm glad you addressed that because some people have described like, instead of there being um, like a, uh, an abundance mindset. Some women have a scarcity mindset and it's important to have an abundance mindset because you can literally upsell people like it's business, you know, like use the, use your new friends to your advantage, you know? Um, Oh yeah. Yes. You get so much further ahead by collaborating and working together. Always, 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 especially in this industry. Yeah. Well, um, so I, I honestly wanted to wrap up uh, with with uh, some questions that admittedly I think are tough, but I think that we can we can take them on. I think that, you know, you being the front runner, uh, like I, I view you as like kind of the leader of sex, sex work, um, legalization of sex work in America. So I think that it's easy to take this one on and I'll even take a swing at it, too. But I've heard that some people attribute to your success is like you're literally your name's Alice Little and some mm-hmm. people have the appeal that like you're kind of like you look younger and um I'd be happy to take a swing at that but would would you like to because you're Alice Little Oh yeah Yeah it's a it's a very frequent misconception I mean I'm 33 years old very proud about my age I'm 4 foot 8 I am petite And the reality is, is that if you take the time to listen to me for even just a moment, my age is exceptionally clear. Mm -hmm. There is no hearing and seeing me move and speak in real time and mistaking me for a child. So some people like to use that as the, oh, Alice is successful because she's young, she's tiny. Great. I'm sorry. I thought this supposed like stereotype is that sex workers were supposed to be successful because they're blonde with big boobs <laughs> and like long hair and like voluptuous bodies and yet hello i'm four foot eight with red curly hair like i am here 
literally define the stereotypes. Why in the world are you now trying to find a different stereotype to define my success as? Like, just get over it. Like, I'm successful because I work ridiculously damn hard at this industry. That's why. Yeah. Feel free to call me out if my response to that criticism is insensitive, but here's my response. Would you rather they fuck Alice Little or a kid? I mean, like if that's that, the appeal, um, I'm just saying if that is the appeal, like since you're small, let's just acknowledge that. Yeah. Like you do, you look young. I wouldn't have guessed you're, oh, yeah. thir- what'd you say? 33. I wouldn't have guessed that. Oh yeah. No, people never. So never I ask. I am routinely carded and I see it as a compliment. My trick, by the way, ladies, sunscreen, sunscreen, and more sunscreen. Walk around with a little parasol and don't be ashamed of being pale. It's cool. You don't need to get a tan. Totally cool. I mean, like, uh, the reality is... I get my point is kind of edgy or whatever, but do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's edgy, but also it's like, I also don't accept age play requests. That's one of the things... Oh, okay. That's kind of what I was asking, too. I kind of was... I was going to, like, ask that directly, but... anything like that if somebody were to reach out to me and they're like i want to do an age play related fantasy whatever thing and if they want a specific age stated no i i'll do like a sexy schoolgirl role play Mm -hmm. all day every day like there's a fine line where role playing we can do role play but i'm never going to do like specific underage play in any way shape or form that's not a service that i offer are there ladies in the industry that offer that? Totally. Good for them. That's great. They can consent to whatever they want to, and there's nothing wrong with those services. Yeah. I just choose to not offer those services because it's not something that I'm interested in. Not because I can't offer those services or not because I shouldn't offer mm-hmm. those services. I just don't happen to offer those services. So like, I mean, even if somebody wanted that thing from me, it's not like it's something that they could get from me anyway. So it's like, well, I don't see how that attributes to my success if I'm literally telling everyone who's like, oh, can you pretend to be a minor? I'm like, no, I won't. Goodbye. Like that, if anything, that doesn't help my success at all, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Right. I don't know. I just, it's really funny though, because it's always like the perception versus reality. And it's one of those things where when you are viewing somebody from the outside and you're trying to make conclusions about something, you're focusing on the wrong aspect of things. It's like, why are you trying to find a reason as to why I'm successful? Why can I not just be successful? Why do you need to explain away my success? Is it so wrong for me to be a successful sex worker and be making a bunch of money? Is there a problem for a sex worker to be making a lot of money? Because I really think that's the underlying issue here for most people. It's not the fact that I look young. The underlying issue here still comes back to the same thing. Is it really okay for this woman to be making so much money being a sex worker? Is this this okay? She looks so young. Can she really choose to do this? Heck yeah, I can. I am 33 years old absolutely i can choose to do this and there's not a darn thing wrong with it yeah and thank you again for addressing that because i know that that's that's it's discussed but i had to ask it because it is one of the questions you know that that i've heard and 
um, that that we even received, you know, because when I said Alice Little's coming on the show, people sent, sent messages, you know, and so that's where that one question came from earlier, and that's where that question comes from. So, um, yeah, but- I mean, it, it's funny because it's like, okay, we exist in a world where one of the most frequently searched porch let like porn terminologies is like teen. And there are quite literally 18, 19, and 20 year olds in porn. I am 33 years old. If somebody really is looking for like the barely legal effect, there are women in this industry that really genuinely and truly are that. Like if if that's somebody's fantasy, I mean, are there 18, 19, and 20 year olds that work within some Nevada brothels? Not at the chicken ranch, you have to be 21 and up at the chicken ranch, but at other brothels, absolutely you can work in a brothel at the age of 18, 19, or 20. So like, if that was the thing that somebody wanted, again, they would just be going to the person that that's the thing. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny to me the way that people try to justify and explain it away. Yeah. No, unfortunately, there are a lot of internet stalkers that are out there on the internet and i think that's probably the one thing that the old (laughs) in the 80s that was better about the brothels is that you didn't have the internet to harass the sex workers you know constant stalking harassing doxing i'm gonna out you to your parents i'm gonna post your address online (laughs) I'm going to follow you home from work. And unfortunately, there are crazies on the internet who do follow through with those things. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it really speaks as to why sex workers deserve respect, why sex workers need protection, and why legislation around sex work is so incredibly important because there are people out there that don't like sex work. There are people out there that don't like empowered women. And unfortunately, there are people out there that will do whatever it takes. Just interestingly enough, in the news today, there is a politician from the Democratic Party that was found on Shatterbait with her partner I guess her opponent stumbled across her old account and decided that he was going to dox her, out her, and try and make her ineligible for office for doing something that is perfectly legal to do, using a website that literally thousands of Americans use. But what I really want to know is how did he find that? Was he not on that website himself? Was he not the very material that he had an issue with this particular person like that's a really good point that is a really good point what do you think the the future looks like in terms of legalization in america do you think anybody else is going to do what nevada has done like who and who do you think i heard something like new york just decriminalized maybe or something uh not quite no? unfortunately no? so like There's a lot of differences between decriminalization and partial decriminalization, which is called the Nordic model. The Nordic model is, I want, I think it was um, Maine just passed the Nordic model. Uh, The Nordic model essentially says that sex work itself, we're not going to criminalize, but if you 
buy and like purchase criminalized that is criminalized unfortunately some counties have da specific non-legislation but like localized policies where say the da of manhattan says i will not prosecute consensual sex work that's great the second that da is gone a new DA is going to come in and what's going to stop them from turning around and now prosecuting consensual sex work. That It's not real legislative policy that changes anything. And New York does have a DA who has taken the stance that, oh, I'm not going to prosecute consensual sex workers. However, it's not real policy. It's not like substantive change. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, hey, I feel like I've taken a lot of your time. Um, any Anything that you wanted to say as we wrap up? Um, just mm. on all these topics that we've discussed. I would say that it's interesting for people to take a look at the history of sex work, not just within America, but the history of sex work as it exists overall within America. Just generally speaking. Mm -hmm. So sex work has been with us since quite literally the dawn of time. When we look at legislation such as Hammurabi's Code, which is the earliest form of legal documentation anywhere, it talks about sex work. It talks about the treatment specifically of sex workers and how they should be regarded within society. When we look back at the pillars of power within society, we look back at kings, at ruler, at all of these people that were in command. And oftentimes the people who were by their side were sex workers, courtesans, uh, mistresses by another name. I, I mean, we all know that people of power throughout history have had various companions. And that is still true to this day. Though the business model, of course, has changed in the sense that it is now, of course, much more advantageous for women to be in that position. Yeah, it always seems like the politicians that are bitching about prostitutes that are caught in a hotel with prostitutes. <laughs> it's 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 very or sex workers. Sorry, I you know. Yeah, no, it, it's it's very interesting because it's like. They have the option of going to a brothel where it's completely safe, discreet. A lot of the appeal for certain people is that, like, the edge appeal. And I think it's important to talk about this because this is, like, the, the cool factor that, like, some people, for whatever reason, decide to assign to the sex work industry. It's the, the sexy factor where they want it to have this, like, dangerous edge to it. For them, that's part of the the fun, the excitement, the fact that they're being a little bit naughty. Ooh, I'm being edgy. And like, okay, that's great. But you can actually just like pretend those things. For sex workers, it's not like, ooh, I'm being edgy. Like for independent sex workers, they're literally putting themselves at risk every time they go to work. Like it's not this cool, sexy, edgy thing, we actually need legislation to remove that like edginess. It's sexy enough on its own. The edge, we don't, we don't need that. That doesn't need to be a part of it. Yeah. Well said. Well said. 
Um, well, I apologize for interjecting with that that anecdote. I appreciate you taking it on. I, I wanted to hold my promise and give you the space of uh, allowing you to close out the show with whatever uh, uh, you feel is important. You were talking about some education. Um, I, I apologize again for interjecting. Oh, no, it's all good. So like the, the educational side of thing, when it yeah. comes to sex work, the history of sex work and the value of sex work is something that we really haven't touched on. Like, well, who sees sex workers? Well, everybody sees sex workers, not just people who are tremendously successful, but people of all walks of life come to see sex workers, including people who feel that they can't have access to intimacy in other places. Many people that choose to come and see sex workers are folks that are disabled folks that are married and want to explore bisexuality, but they're in like a heteronormative relationship. So they can't do that. And they feel like they can't date a woman. And so they might come to a brothel. Maybe they're a couple and they want to try swinging, but swinging is scary. And they want to work with somebody who's experienced for the first time. Maybe somebody is autistic and they really want to go super, super duper slowly and be able to like stop and start the whole experience on demand and have somebody that's just going to like really understand where they're coming from and create like a really sensory friendly environment and a positive experience and not make it too overwhelming. Cool. All those people see sex workers, all of them, every last one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, Alice, I just want to thank you again for your time. Um, the Alice Yes. Cool. You'll probably find all your social media and everything from there, right? OnlyFans, be able to book, all that good stuff. Yes, I have all of my official links sent in there. And of course, if you want to reach me personally, the best way is going to be by email. Alice Little at thealicelittle.com. Awesome. Well, Alice, uh, thank you so much for your time. And folks, I hope you found as much value in this conversation as I did. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.